0: All right, the Beatitudes. We have been seven weeks now talking about Jesus' famous teaching in Matthew chapter five. And today, we're gonna look at another one, um, one of the last of the Beatitudes, the points that he makes. But I read this this week, and I thought it was interesting, but um, there was a theologian who made this statement about the Beatitudes. He said, each Beatitude is like the nail in the coffin of self. Because as we put these things Into practice and we realize and understand their depths of of what Jesus is trying to say, it is literally as if you're putting a a nail in in the coffin of yourself. We are dying to ourselves when we live out the teachings of Jesus here in Matthew chapter 5. Today is one that's probably a little bit tougher for us, especially in today's world, in today's conflict how many of you would say that in the past week you've had some type of conflict whether it's something somebody okay a couple of you so that's good we're on the same page everybody else um please share your holiness with us later um but jesus says in matthew chapter five verse nine he says this blessed are the peacemakers blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons they'll they'll be part of the family Jesus says one of the marks to know if you're in the family is you're a peacemaker. And if you're a peacemaker, then he says that you've been blessed. And the blessing, again, is coming from that Greek terminology that we're blessed, we're happy, not because of what we have and the resources we have. We're happy because we've been made happy by our relationship with God. That is the blessing. So we live, we live in this world. We live in these relationships, these friendships, these marriages, that oftentimes they're not as clean cut as we would want them to be, that every once in a while we bump up against some type of conflict. And if you haven't, it's coming. It's going to come, right? But like we're going to have some type of conflict that we're going to bump up against. And Jesus knows this because he's, he's teaching. Remember, he says that out of the great, all the commandments, he was asked, which are the greatest? Where well, he says you love God and you love others. But wouldn't you even admit that sometimes, even in even these teachings of the Beatitudes, there's been some conflict. It's like, well, I hear what Jesus is saying, but it's really hard to kind of wrap my life around that one. It's really hard to try to give him full control. It's really difficult to be meek, even to people that I feel don't deserve it. And so he's saying that you're trying to wrap, you got to wrap this theology, these teachings around these things because we're trying to become peacemakers. And there's oftentimes that we see Jesus through Scripture, he would encounter some type of conflict and he knew how to speak to that conflict and move through it. And, and I know what y'all are thinking. Yeah, and he flipped tables one time. And, and y'all always forget this part. If you'll go back and read that passage, Jesus did flip tables in the temple. But read right above that where it says that he is in the corner making a whip. He not only is flipping tables, he's got a whip and he is spanking people in the church and flipping tables. So that's always an option uh, if you need one in your conflict. But... Just kidding, do not do that. There are some misconceptions that come about peacemaking. And here's a a common misconception. Peacemaking is not about avoiding. Like a lot of times we'll have conflict and because we don't like conflict and we don't like to have arguments with people or we don't like to feel tension with people, what we'll do is we'll kind of avoid the conversation. You know, know what I'm saying? It's these moments that you're sitting in a room And you just had this argument or there's some ongoing strife within whatever that you've got going on. And you're trying to avoid the conversation. And we call that what kind of animal sitting in the room? It's an elephant. The 3,000-pound elephant is sitting in the room and everybody's looking at it, but nobody wants to talk about the fact that there's an elephant sitting in the middle of the room. Because if you talk about the elephant in the middle of the room, eventually it's going to go from talking to yelling to everybody's going to be upset. And you're going to have bigger conflict. So the misconception about peacemaking, it's not about avoiding. We don't make peace by avoiding. We also do not make peace by appeasing. So appeasing means that I always give in. Well, gosh, I I'd really, I'd really think this is the wrong decision, but I'm not going to say anything. We're just going to go along with it. I'm just going to let whatever happens, happen. And we actually, appeasement is not peacemaking in any way stretch of the means, but we would also call that codependency. To where we would say, Listen, I understand I I don't believe that this is right, but it's not my job. I'm not gonna say anything. If this doesn't work out the way it needs to, that's gonna be on you. It's not gonna be on me. And we try to appease the situation in order to dodge the conflict. Is this hitting anybody right now? You you've been around these people? You may be with these people like Peacemaking is not about avoiding and appeasing. We, we don't make peace that way. The Bible actually tells us that when we avoid and appease conflict, and we're not trying to be peacemakers, there's some damage that is caused by unresolved conflict. And maybe this resonates with you a little bit. But the Bible says that when we do not resolve conflict, and you just let it lay there and pretend like that conflict is not even happening, What will happen is, in your life, you'll end up with these three things happening in your life. So if you decide not to deal with the conflict and try to appease it and try to avoid it, here's what the Bible says happens. Number one, you will block your fellowship with God. It doesn't mean that he's like, well, I'm not talking anymore, I'm not not your father anymore, I'm not your God. That's not what we're saying. But what will happen is, you have such conflict with somebody... That your relationship with God will be quickly blocked. Look what he says in 1 John. 1 John says this. Dear friends, let us, and I love this word because he's saying that this is understood. Let us continue to love one another. It's an expectation. This is what we do. This is the unity of the body. He says, let us continue to love one another for love comes from, where does that come from? So you do not know love if you're not with God. So if you're spending time with God and learning his characteristics and learning who he is and spending time with him, guess what? Then we understand God's ways. Then we can live out these values. And then we know how to love people. A lot of the times when we don't know how to to answer someone or love someone or care for someone or give grace to someone is because we haven't fully grasped God doing those things. And so it says that let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who, who loves, this is another mark of, of a believer, anybody who loves, and again, this is loving the way that God does unconditionally. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Wouldn't you agree with me that those who are parents, your children know you? Isn't it amazing that you can be standing in a crowded room and call your child's name And they can point out where you are and know that that's your voice among the other voices. Why is that? Because they spend a lot of time with you. They hear you. They know your voice. And so here, John's saying, listen, anybody who loves is a child of God and they know God. They know his voice because they're spending time with him. The voice of God is very recognizable. But here's the warning in in verse 8, that anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. When we're not giving out the love that God has given us, there is a direct conflict in our fellowship and relationship with our Father. Unresolved conflict will also block prayers from being answered. Wait, what? I know, bear with me. I want you to hear what the scriptures say because I I was kind of rocked off guard with this one too. It not only blocks fellowship with God, but conflict can block our prayers. Maybe, maybe some of the reason that some of our prayers aren't being answered is because there's a block there because of relational conflict that has not been resolved. Because obviously, if the fellowship is off, then the prayer is going to be off too, the communication with, with God. First Peter 3, 7, it, it would say this, is that husbands, be considerate of your wives and treat them with respect. You ready for this next piece? It says this, so that nothing hinders your prayers. If we're in direct conflict with one another and having relational issues with one another, there's a blockage of the relationship with God and, there's, and it's gonna affect our fellowship with him and it's gonna affect our prayers with him. It will also block, and, and this term is happiness, but we would also say, say blessing and we also would have to go back and asterisk this of saying it's not the resources that if you have, if you have these Conflicts that then God's not gonna bless you with these resources. What we're saying is is that it's gonna block your happiness because you're you're gonna quickly, when you walk out of fellowship with God, you forget very quickly how good He is in His presence. And it'll affect the happiness in John in James three eighteen. This is the brother of Jesus. And he says, Those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap harvest of goodness. We, we are sowing, and we, everything we do is about sowing and reaping. You realize that? When we're kind, we're sowing seeds of kindness. When we're rude, we're sowing seeds of rudeness. And so he says that we are called to plant seeds of peace, seeds of peace. And you notice that Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. And a lot of times that we find ourselves on that side just trying to keep the peace, and sometimes by keeping the peace, what happens, we, we try to appease, we try to avoid, we try to do whatever can. And he says, no, I didn't call you to keep the peace. I don't know if you are familiar with the United Nations, and when they send military into these countries that have no military, their job is to try to keep the peace. They don't make it, they just keep it. And every once in a while, it may mean firing off a weapon or showing some intimidation to, to keep people in line. And that's not what we've been called to do. We've been called to intentionally Make the peace. You can keep peace at a distance, but you can't make peace at a distance. It it takes face to face conversations and it it all goes back to what are we planting? Are we planting seeds of peace? We we could even call this a universal law. Because if I take if I take a a corn, a, a, a corn seed, right, and I throw corn in the ground, one seed, what's gonna happen in a couple of months? Am I getting one thing of corn? No, it multiplies, right? You get multiple. You get multiple it's a, it's a universal law. When you put a seed in the ground, you get a harvest. You reap the harvest. And that's the interesting thing about sowing and reaping. You put a, a, a kernel in the ground, you get a stalk of corn, you get a lot of corn. It, it produces. It's the same thing that whatever we plant, if we plant conflict you're going to reap more conflict than what you planted. If you reap goodness and mercy with people, you're going to reap more goodness and mercy. It's just the law of how the world works. It's the law that Jesus has given us, is that what we put out is what we get back. And if we're being called to be peacemakers, what are we putting out? We are planting seeds of peace. And peace is not necessarily the absence of, of conflict peace is the presence of jesus and who has better ground to be teaching and sharing the news of peace than the church because we experience we're with the peace jesus is the prince of peace so how do you how do you resolve conflict if okay so i know that there's some blockages there can be some blockages and, and maybe you've already decided that there have been some things that I have avoided and there's some things that I'm just appeasing right now because I don't want to have the conversation because I, I want people to be hurt. And let me tell you, when we address conflict, we speak truth and we speak grace. You've got to have both of those things. You can't be 100% truthful and go off on somebody, right? You've got to have some grace with it too. Let me, let me give you a couple of things that will help you. If you want to be a peacemaker, you're going to have to be able to make the first move. Because some of you are sitting in conflict, waiting on that other person to make the decision and make the move. And guess what? They're never going to do it. And you will be waiting all your life. And you sit, and, and the longer that that conversation, that, that conflict sits there untouched, untalked about, you know what happens? It's like you become offended. And that offense is like drinking poison, waiting on the other person to die. It's tough. It's tough. You, you, have to, you have to be willing to make the first move. Now, this is God's timing, okay? This, uh, I'm not telling you right now that what you need to do is grab your cell phone and start working out that conflict because you, your heart ain't ready for that yet. You need to spend some time with Jesus to know when to make that first move, when to have that conversation. If, if you've got somebody that, you know, that relationship's out of whack, you need to start praying on it that God would give you words and give you the timing to go speak into it and what to say. Look, look at how important it is because in Matthew chapter 5 he says this. If you're standing before the altar in the temple and you're giving an offering to God and then suddenly you remember someone has something against you, he says to leave your offering there, which I think that's because Matthew was a tax collector. He knew if you took the money away then it wasn't coming back. But he says if you have something, you leave your offering there beside the altar, Go at once. Go at once and first be reconciled to that person and then come and offer your gift to God. He's saying, you're coming in here to worship, but we have these conflicts. It's it's more important that you go resolve that conflict than it is that you come and give your offering before God. Let me put it this way. How many, this is gonna require you to be really, really truthful, okay? Don't don't leave me out here, Hanging. How many of you have gotten in the, the famous car argument on the way to church? So, okay, thank you. Thank you. It's okay. You, you've, you've been driving, and it could be with your kid. It could be with your spouse. And you're on the way to church, and it seems like everything has just erupted in the car because, you know, somebody forgot a shoe. Somebody had on two different shoes. Somebody didn't help get the kids ready. You wanted time to go by and get coffee, but you couldn't get caught. Co- There's conflict brewing, and everybody's mad at each other, and everybody's yelling at each other, and you pull up to church, and you're in the parking lot, and, and Dad's making the threat, like, if you say a word, I, you know, it's like, it's, it's not good. And then everybody gets out the car, and it's like, oh, this is such a beautiful, beautiful day. I love it. Isn't it wonderful? Blessed God. I, lo- I love these kids. My wife is wonderful. We got it. And then you come into church, and you worship, and... And how are you? Oh, it's everything. Man, highly favored and blessed God. I am good. And then you get back in the car. It's like, all right, now we're going to pick up what we left off. Okay? Here's what Jesus says. It is better for you to not get out of that car and work out that issue before you come in here. That's how important it is. Because, again, he said the greatest of the commandments. Love God and love others. Love others. Now, next weekend... If I see a lot of people sitting in the car, we know. And just know now that I've said that, if you get up and your family walks out at this point, we're just going to have to make the assumption that you're going to work out some conflict resolution in the car. See, the thing about conflict, it's not it's not resolved accidentally. It's not resolved it takes conversation. It takes real conversation. And, and can I just tell you, and just being dead honest because I know this is where some of you are, you can have those real conversations that are seasoned with grace and lots of truth, and you can have prayed about it, and then nothing changes in that. Can I tell you that oftentimes the resolution that Jesus is telling us to do is not always about the other person. It's about you. It's about common you. We can't control how other people handle the conflict. We can't control how they receive what we say. But what we can do is make sure that we go in with the words of the Holy Spirit to have those conversations. But it may mean, because Paul says, as long as it depends on you, have peace with everybody. Peace might mean that y'all never talk again. You love them, you care, you're kind, you're nice, you never speak ill of them. But it may mean that that relationship can never happen again. And that's totally fine. So please don't hear this as if you need to go sit down today with the people that have hurt you in in tremendous ways. And that you need to go sit down and and have dinner with them. And invite them over. And y'all plan summer vacation next year. That's not at all what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this, that you need to have the peace within your heart that you're doing this the way that Jesus has asked you to do it. He wasn't sitting down. He, he had his harshest words and conflicts with the Pharisees, okay? But he wasn't sitting down and, and doing summer vacations down in the Jordan River, too, and down the river with them. All right? We, we follow because I think sometimes we hear this and we get lost because we think that this is about... Well, now you're going to tell me I've got to go do this. Oh, absolutely not. If you've been around somebody that has been emotionally abusive, physically abusive, no. Do You think Jesus wants you hanging out, being abusive in a relationship? No, don't. Y- y'all following me? Okay. Now, you've made the first move. Now you need to be asking God for wisdom. This is the part that, because here's the deal. If you're anything like me, I already know what I want to say. Anybody? You've already got the script in your head. You just wait. You just wait. And then after the conversation, you're like, gosh, I should have said this and I didn't say that. We, we know what we want to say. Because we'll even make this comment, oh, they better be glad, they better be glad I didn't see them today. Because today's is the day. Because I, I have gone in that I'm, I've got to have this conversation. I don't want to have this conversation, but there's a conflict. And I've gone in and I said what I wanted to say. And there was no way that that was ever going to be reconciled when I got done saying what I I had to say. And you know why? Because I operated out of my own wisdom rather than going to God saying, what do you want me to say? Because some days our prayers need to be more than just, God, tell me what to say, but just, Holy Spirit, put your hand over my mouth today until you give me the words to speak. we got to ask God for wisdom we're going to make a decision. I'm not going to let this just go on, this conflict go on, but I'm going to ask God how I need to deal with it. Because here's this promise. James again says this in James chapter one. If anybody, if any of you lacks wisdom, okay, if any of you lacks wisdom, now we got to be careful with that because a lot of us would be like, well, that's not me. I'm a pretty smart person. It's not what he's saying. He's just making this assumption that when it comes to godly wisdom, we don't have it. We got to gain it. We got to, here. So he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And I love this part, because God gives generously. He's a generous God who gives wisdom to all without reproach, and it will be given to you. You want wisdom? Go ask God. He won't just give you a little bit of the answer. He'll give you the whole book of what you need to do, and all you got to do is be faithful to that thing that he's called you to do, that he is generous in his wisdom. So you might make the first move, but don't make the first move without wisdom from the Father because we'll have potential to completely destroy that because how many of you know when our emotions get in the way of the conversation, that conversation does not go well? Y'all have had some blow back up at you? Or you had somebody come to you to resolve conflict and you're like, you know, I really wanted to work that out with you, but now I'm praying a different prayer for you. Y'all have had those people. So you ask God, I'm making the move Give me some wisdom. Show me what I need to do. This could take a day. This could take months. This could take years. But the point is that you're pursuing it. You're pursuing what he wants you to do. But then you've got to start these conversations with this, because here's part of that wisdom, is you've got to begin with what's your fault. I was having a conversation with a, with a guy this week, and, and um, he said, I'm having some conflict with my church. I was like, oh, please share. This will be interesting he said hey, people just complaining like they just talking about me saying I'm not doing my job not blah 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 and I, and I said was well, it true and his face just went white all because he wasn't expect because what do I think what he was expecting was man that's not true you know I've read your website you look like a great Pat you probably do a great job you know just ignore ignore the critic don't listen to the critic people have bad. I said listen a is it true is there any piece of that that's true? What do you mean, man? Because I feel like, I was like, no, 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 no. Is it true? What is true? And he had to process it. When By the time we got finished with that conversation, here's, here's what he went from, I need you to give me some defense to go back into this deacons meeting. I don't know if y'all have ever been a part of a deacons meeting. That's a, that's a different ballgame. It's, it's get fun if you're not the target. And... He said, i got to go back in here. I need something to defend with. And he walked out. He's going, there's, here are three things right here that I need to go and make amends for that I haven't done. Now, you, when, you, when you conflict resolution, there's a piece of it that's probably your fault. Right? It, maybe, maybe somebody feels like every time that they go to talk to you that you ignore them. But it's not the fact that you're intentionally ignoring them. It may just be that you're distracted by something else and they just assume that you don't like them and that assumption has been made. And you can go, you know what, it wasn't about you. I'm distracted. I I need to repent of that. I apologize because I'm not taking taking the time to to speak with you. And and I know that the conflict, a majority of the time might be that the conflict is 99999999 percent their fault. But there's something something that we've done. And, And the apology might be, I am so sorry that I've allowed this to fester for this long and haven't dealt with it. We don't like that, right? Because it's tension. And I'm I'm just not going going to admit that I've done anything. I had not done anything wrong. Well, let's go back to the first beatitude. Blessed are the rich in spirit. Is that what he said? No, he said blessed are the poor in spirit. We're sinners. We've done something wrong. And we have to own up to that. And this is what he says. And James, the Bible says that there are two causes of conflict. The first cause of conflict is being self-centered. I mean, we we all have our ways, right? We have our perk. We have our. This is what I like. These are my preferences. But he says this: what causes fights and quarrels among you? They are caused by selfish desires that are continually at a war that is inside of you. It, it is. Sometimes, in order to resolve conflict, you're gonna have to give up your right to be right. And you gotta make a decision. Because I can promise you it's always more rewarding to resolve a conflict than it is to to dissolve a relationship. And so sometimes it just means that we have to come before somebody and admit some fault. But here's the thing, if we're doing that on a continual basis to Jesus and confessing our sin, this shouldn't shouldn't be hard to do it with everybody else. Because when I'm confessing to Jesus, I should be more intimidated by confessing what I've done wrong with Jesus than I should with somebody else because somebody else doesn't know my heart. He does. And we've got this thing backwards. In Matthew chapter seven, it says, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? And, and you're just, people get uptight when they read scripture, but Jesus was a comedian, okay? Because this should have brought a, a chuckle or two out of his audience here when he says, and why are you worried about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Like, you're, you're, How do you even see the speck if you've got this massive log in your eye? How can you think of saying to your friend, Lord, help me get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? You're a hypocrite, he says. First, get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. He's saying that you've got to do an honest evaluation, that you and I have blind spots. We have blind spots. And sometimes it's really good to go to somebody else and say, listen, I'm having this issue and help me work, help me talk through this. But you need to go to somebody that's gonna tell you the truth and is gonna ask you, is it true? And what is not true? So do an honest evaluation. So then once you've done your part, you've confessed your part in the problem, here you go, you need to listen for their hurt and their perception. If you wanna connect with people, this is where it starts, of understanding where they are, understanding why they hurt. It's not what they say in an argument, because in arguments, I'll say a lot of things that, I, that, that just come out, but you've got to hear people's words of where they are. People want to be heard. They want to they wanna know why, so if they, if they make some claim that is, is painful, like you don't even care about our family anymore because you don't do anything with our family, listen, listen to what they're saying. Why do they feel that way? Why do they feel that way? You, you got you to gotta listen for their hurt. Listen for the hurt. Listen to the emotions that are behind the words that they're saying because emotion is important in these conversations. People will say one thing, but they're, they're feeling something else. For, for case in point, I remember a marriage counseling that I did one time. And I would always have... I won't give a a secret away, but I would always have a couch and I'd have them sit on the couch and where they sat would tell me everything I needed to know about how this conversation was about to go, right? Because if they were husband and wife and there was space between them, what do you think this conversation was going? Not good, right? And if they were sitting on polar opposite ends of the couch, this was gonna be good. Like somebody's about to throw fists, so I'd have to put something between them just in case. And here's what I would learn. I would say, why are you here? That's the first, so I'm giving you a little counseling class today. You ask, why are you here? And the guy always responds this way, because she booked it. All right, well, I think I know what the problem is. And you will go to talk to her, and she's, and she'll share her heart and things that are really bothering her. And he's like, yeah, I don't feel that way. Well, how do you feel? Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Well... That's really difficult to counsel, by the way, when you got a person that won't admit that they have a problem. So now you got to open their eyes to the fact they have a problem. And then they get mad because they feel like you took the side of the spouse to, to get them. But what, what you hear in that is this. Like, she's pouring her heart out because she's in pain, she's been hurt, so there's been some, some things done. She, she's not all innocent, but she has some problems. But he, his problem is he's stubborn and don't want to do anything. And, and, but why is he like that? And here, nine times out of ten, when you start digging into that and just go, because I could walk away and go, hey, here's his problem. He's just a jerk. He, that's what he is. And you're just going to have to like ignore him or leave him. That's what you could do. But you have to go, what you do is nine times out of ten, you start asking questions and hearing the emotion. Something that happened to him at some point in his life that has caused him not to know how to interact. And, and typically you find out There's probably been some type of divorce in the family. There's probably been mom cheated, dad cheated, there was some kind of spouse of you. But if you don't get down and start getting people and finding out why they hurt the way they do, we will misjudge them and hurt them even more. So Jesus says you gotta gotta listen for the hurt and the perspective. And James, again, James is wise. He says be quick to to do what? Be quick to do what? Listen, we have two ears, one mouth. Be, Be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and If you'll do those things, you'll be slow to get angry. Because you've processed, you've thought, you've heard. So when we look at people, we pay attention to what what they're saying because what they're saying matters. And when we're listening to them, we're paying attention, we look in the eyes, we're saying, hey, you're valuable. You're worth my attention. I want to hear. In Philippians, Paul writes this, that each of you should should look not only to your own interests. Don't be so self-centered, he says, but also look to the interests of other people. Your attitude should be that as the same of Jesus. And Jesus' attitude was, he cared. Can I tell you how much he cares? He's hanging on a cross. He has been brutally beaten, being murdered in front of everybody in pain. And the first thing he says was not, ouch, this really hurts. He's looking out for the needs of other people when he says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing or looking out for the interest of his mother by saying john watch my mom take care of her even in his pain of what he didn't even do he's guilty. i mean he's not guilty by any any charge but he's being going through a conflict this is a conflict and jesus is looking after the interest of other people so, Paul says that's the, that's the attitude that we have. Even when it comes at us, we, we still have to do that. Let me give you these last, last couple ones. Um, you, you also need to speak the truth tactfully. Speak, speak truth. It's okay. Do it with kindness, but speak truth. If they hurt you, they need to know they hurt you. Don't be like, well, you know, it kind of hurt, but it's not a big deal. Yes, it is. You know how I know it's a big deal? Because you're having this conversation with them. Speak the truth. Proverbs says that reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. What we say, our words impact people. We also need to not just speak the truth, but you need to fix the problem, not the blame, because we try to blame shift. Don't believe it? Get pulled over by the police department this afternoon. Why are you speeding? Well, I didn't see the speed sign. We, We try to shift the blame Fix the problem, not the blame. We need to learn to attack issues and not each other. You need to realize that we're all on the same team. We're all on the same team. And anytime that that we're too busy fixing the blame, we're wasting energy on not fixing the problem. This is why Paul writes in Colossians that you must rid yourselves of such things as these. Get, Get rid of anger, get rid of rage, get rid of malice, get rid of slander and filthy language from your lips. This is the way the world handles their problems. This is not the way kingdom people live we we get rid of those things because we're not about shifting blame we're about fixing the problem because we're not peacekeepers we are peacemakers and that's why we focus on reconciliation not just resolution we 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 focus on reconciliation you know what that is reconciliation is reestablishing a relationship now again this isn't going on summer vacation but it but the relationship can be as simple as going, hey, it's good to see you today. Because maybe over time, God heals that and changes their heart. So we, we believe in reconciliation. We reestablish some type of relationship. We bury the hatchet. We don't sweep it under the rug. We deal with it. We speak truth to it because we've gotten wisdom from God. But, but resolution means that we resolve every disagreement. And we may not agree on everything. But what we will agree on is that we will do this in the way of Jesus. Let me give you this last verse from Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says this, all this is from God. Just in case you're wondering, he's saying, this isn't coming from me. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us, right? He, he reestablished the relationship is what he's saying, that all this from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. You and I can have a relationship with God, and he gave us you and me a gift that we don't use that often. But listen, we have given the ministry of reconciliation, of restoring relationship. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him not telling them how wrong. God was not on the cross going, well, Robbie, Robbie I don't know if he's worth it, but he's a jerk, and, and he's got some issues, and that's not what he was doing. When he was on the cross caring about the other needs, he was reconciling us to God. He says he didn't count their trespasses against him. He entrusted to us the message. We have been entrusted the message of reconciliation, Not only have we been given this ministry of it, but God says that he has entrusted us with this. Handle it well. He says, therefore, you and I are ambassadors. We're representatives of Christ, God making his appeal through us, and we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Isn't that the whole point? That if we will just point people to Jesus, we can reconcile relationships. Because we will have broken relationships between each other all day, but when we point people to Jesus and people give their hearts and their lives to Christ, it is reconciled. Things change. That we have been given that gift. We have been called to be peacemakers. Now, that's the easy part. The hard part is actually doing this. Am I right? because you, like me, probably have somebody in your mind, and you've been struggling with it a long time, that there's conflict, and you don't know know what to do. And and maybe this helps, but maybe it makes it more complicated. But here's my prayer for you. If nothing else, I pray that you would just join me in asking the Holy Spirit, what in the world am I supposed to do with this? Because there's a conflict, and I feel like I've done everything that I have. Because I asked that question. I feel like I've done everything that I need to do and I can't get this fixed. You know what the problem was with that statement that the Holy Spirit revealed in my heart was the problem? I revealed, I I have done everything that I know to do. I realized real quick, I've never gone to God to get the wisdom from that because I thought I was an expert. And there's part of me that has to go and take some blame that I've made some situations worse. So now I'm gonna have to, to face up to that and own that and then hear from the Spirit and speak into that. But I'm waiting on God to give me the words to say because I don't know what those words are right now. And maybe that's where you are. Here's what I want you to do in these next few moments. We're going to sing a song. And as we're singing, that that conflict, that person, that thing that is in your head, I want you to visualize it and just ask the Holy Spirit, what now? And then wait and hear what he says. Because he's, he's got a step for you today. You've been waiting. You've been asking him, and maybe today's the day that he's gonna give you that answer to start that process to heal that relationship. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. So Father, blessed are the peacemakers, for we are the sons. We are called your sons and your daughters. And Father, it's hard because there's There's all kinds of flesh involved in this, but I just pray that we would, would step back and hear from you. And I pray even in these moments, as we sing, that we would be bold enough to ask the question, what now, Holy Spirit? And that our ears would be open to hear from you so that we can exercise the ministry of reconciliation. So, Father, in, this, in these moments, I pray that you would move and you would speak. I pray these things in your name. Would you stand and let's, let's sing together.